0: I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics, and I'm located in Southgate, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery in Monroe, Washington. And welcome to Wheel Talk. Okay.
0: Started. All right. We're live.
1: We're live. Ryan, how was your day? Take two. Take 40, actually.
0: My day was all right. (laughs) My day was all right. Um, I don't know. Kind of regular work day. Um, I did. We we got a new um, dresser for the bedroom. So I was like. And Rachel like refinished a bunch of it this weekend. So it was. I had to like offload all of my stuff out of my old dresser. Move it over. And like it looks really good. Making our bedroom look all adult and stuff. Um, and then. Yeah, I got some time in the studio throwing in stuff, so we pushed back the recording a little bit. But yeah, um, got a little time in the studio, and it's pretty good. And also, I I finished like writing a list of items that I'm going to deliver for a consignment um, this next week because I got a check last weekend, and it was like really, really good. It was like almost two hundred dollars, and I was like, "Oh man, I need to bring more stuff here." (laughs) So I'm like ready to deliver some. Yeah. How was your day?
1: It was good. Um, I started off by loading up my kiln. And I had all my flash cell mugs in there that was like 85 plus a bunch of different mugs for an update that I'm going to do. And then I, because I'm going to try it. I'm going to try an Instagram update, but I'm going to do a little twist. You'll see. Nice. And um, And then I finally got my shit together and... Weighed out 30 things of 4 pounds, 30 logs of clay that were 4 pounds. And and I've gotten 18 planters thrown that are 7 by 7. And I have a headache because I was concentrating so hard. And also during that time there was a volleyball party in my shop for Paint Your Own. And it was a lot. Teenagers. That was my no, day so far. No, I was so going to ask
0: what, what age range for volleyball? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what you said, yeah. but yeah, that could be uh, yeah, that could be a little hectic with some teenagers. Yes. All right. So, what are we uh, what are we talking about today?
1: No, you get to say that part.
0: I get to say that part. All right. So, um, <laughs> this is technically take two of this recording because we've been. Uh, We tried this on Monday and the audio did not turn out. So we're trying it again and we're trying to get a little focused on it. So trying to improve on the last one. Um, We are discussing, you know, let's say you're a student out there. We've probably got a lot of people that are students and learning and they're pretty early on their ceramics journey. And I would say we're talking about you're a student and you're determining, you know, am I ready for the next level of, you know, having a home studio or you know, what should I be considering if I am going to have a home studio? And then also, let's say you're a potter and you have a home studio and you're making it, making stuff for a hobby. You're like gifting things. And then you're like, you know, I can pay for my equipment. You know, are there other people that I could sell this to and like sort of make it a business or a side hustle to make some extra money? So that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. Um, We're trying to stay away from... The transition from small business to full time for this episode specifically, um, we'll try to go into that in a future episode by itself because you know there's a lot to discuss there and a lot of considerations. It's a lot. And Becca and I and Becca and I have our own opinions about that that we, we learned do. on Monday.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, we do.
0: So we'll felt... dive into that later. But um,
1: <laughs> when I was talking to Ryan about but, uh, this, this ep- he almost fell out of his chair.
0: Yeah, and I wasn't even in a chair, but I, I almost got into a chair just so I could fall out of it because <laughs>
1: just,
0: we're just so different personality-wise.
1: <laughs> we are. We're 100% different. Um, yeah, so let's create a scenario. So uh, let's say you're a student. um, Like, you've just taken your first class, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is for me. I love this so very much and um, we'll use my prices I guess that they're a little bit lower but um, we'll use them so being a student in my studio you are um, gonna be paying $160 for the first class you get a bag of clay with that and a tool kit and any additional clay is $25 I'm a little bit more expensive than Ryan's Baker Hunt situation but then if you want to become a member after you take the first class then it's 100 bucks a month plus 25 dollars for clay now you can only use my clay um that's a stipulation and uh you're on my timeline even though i try to put student stuff pretty high up on the list so that's our scenario
0: do they have Uh, studio privileges to come in when you are not in class
1: yeah, in my studio, you can come in from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., uh, five days of the week.
0: That's pretty good. So they get... Is that extra hours outside of even business hours? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. See, some studios don't offer that kind of time because they either... Um, if you want to compare Becca's situation with Baker Hunt, where I teach at, in Covington, Kentucky... Um, so, students currently pay $150 for eight-week class, and they get one bag of clay included. That's 25 pounds. Um, and then they can buy additional clay for $15 a bag or $5 for reclaim. And all the firing and everything and glazes and everything are included from what we have at the studio. And yeah, they have the eight weeks. They do not have open studio privileges just because it is a non-profit or not-for-profit um, business and with liability and stuff, they have to have someone on site in the room kind of like, you know, chaperoning or uh, monitoring, I guess is the right word, um, have an instructor that's monitoring the room so that you're not doing things solo. Um I mean, in the past few sessions, they have had an open studio like three times during the whole session, and that's usually for like makeups. It's like three hours, and you come on like a Saturday to make up time for missing classes, but um, that's kind of included in the price of what they pay for class currently. They're still kind of reworking that, but yeah, that's kind like- of the situation for the students, my students. Yeah.
1: It's always a rework. I don't know if there's actually a good way to do classes. Honestly.
0: Yeah. There's some people way. like, "Oh, they pay for firing blocks and they like rent out kiln yeah. space and pay for extra firings if they you know have more to more work than what they're allotted yeah. or something like that."
1: It's a lot. I mean, there's so many different very vari- like variables that you could have at a community studio like he said like renting shelves and all the things and you know um and and that's so the,
0: a lot of those vary based on if you if you're a, if you are a strictly clay studio or like baker hunt teaches like 10 different mediums of classes it's not just ceramics so right ceramics is just a subset of many classes that they have there so do they teach glass blowing? they do not they have glass like mosaic and Lame. stuff like that, but it's not it's not glass blowing. They would have to have a forge and all that kind of stuff. They don't have that kind of equipment. Maybe someday. Sure. <laughs> Maybe someday. Okay, so
1: we're putting you in we're putting everybody in this basic scenario. So the question is, should you keep milking the system or should you leave and start something on your own?
0: Yes, and what considerations should you be thinking about when you right. determine and balance out what you are getting from a home studio situation, what you're not getting from a home studio situation, and, you know, what are the things you have to learn during that transition? Because there's a lot. Right. So what would you say are some some definite must-have considerations when you're starting a home studio?
1: You must have money. <laughs> 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 um, I think, okay, so if you're going to start... Oh, and also there's a kind of a middle ground too. I want to say this first. There's always an option to... Um, like my students, they're more than welcome to have a wheel at home and then they make their stuff and then they bring it in. I have a student, that two of them, that actually exclusively do this. One hand builds and then one... Um, I guess they're members and not really students I can... I don't, they haven't learned anything from me. They've taught me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, one throws. And so, um, that's also a thing now wheels, me and Ryan completely disagree. Not really, actually. I mean,
0: I could have swayed a little bit since the last time we recorded, but.
1: You've kind of been swayed. I, okay, this is my opinion on wheels. Of course, you, of course, of course, you should always, actually, our general opinion on any equipment is if you can find it used, you should buy it used.
0: Especially in, if you're new to to buying equipment, definitely buy it used. Yeah, you're going to save money. You don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, you love it doing it at a class, but are you going to love it when you're at home and, you know, it's there for you? Or are you going to use it? So
1: Right. Now, if you can't buy it used, my recommendation, depending on your level of interest, is to go cheap. Except for we agree on not buying a clay boss. We don't like those wheels.
0: I have a clay boss though. I mean it's good for certain things. It I would say it's good for a beginner wheel.
1: Okay, it's pretty okay if it's not
0: No. Okay. But just
1: don't buy it used. Don't buy a clay boss used. That's my one recommendation because I've bought clay clay bosses like used and they've been total crap because usually when they're selling them, I use it for
0: trimming. So like, I don't know. It's a good secondary wheel for me used. And I feel like I got a good price with a bulk of other things that I bought at one time. So
1: would you pay for it?
0: I paid fifteen hundred dollars for my big kiln, my Olympic kiln, the clay boss wheel and some shelving and kiln furniture and all that kind of stuff. so
1: oh, you did the same thing as me only I did it with a Brent,
0: so yeah, that was my first like electronic controller kiln, and I bought all of it at once. That, you
1: got the electronic controller kiln with it too?
0: That's the Olympic kiln that I got, yeah, so it's electronic oh. controller twenty three twenty three
1: that was a good deal.
0: So my big kiln. Yeah. So. I paid
1: I paid $1200 for a Crusader kiln which is older than dirt. Um <laughs> and a sol- it's a solid body kiln and like it only has a, a mesh wiring around all of the controls. It mm-hmm. was so sketchy. And a um let's see a Crusader kiln, a Brent wheel and like a myriad of different bats and products and all these yeah. different things and um I think I got are bats too. Yeah. So anyway, nice. um I'll tell you my opinion and then Ryan can tell you what he suggests. I I suggest to people all the time that they should get the Shimpo Aspire because it's if you're just throwing for the the hell of it and you are part of a studio Throwing on a Shimpo Aspire is just fine because if you ever needed to throw something huge, you could always go into the studio and do that. Um, but also, it's a good little wheel. It'll, it's, a, it's a workhorse, man. I mean, if...
0: I think if, we both got that wheel about the same time. Yeah. I think we each yeah. got them about maybe six months ago or something like that. Yeah.
1: I found mine on Craigslist because some guy bought it for his girlfriend and then his girlfriend only touched it like four times and then she was like I'm done with this and I was like yes see pray bought, on I the know, people Facebook marketplace that, yeah pray <laughs> on the people that start hobbies and they think they're going to, to like get into them and then they're just like never mind <laughs> and then they sell their pieces
0: right they're just trying to get rid of it so don't feel bad to like give them a lower price and see yeah. where you can meet in the middle.
1: Yeah. So, I think that buying, like, a Shimpo, a Spire, or even if you have a little bit more of a budget, a Shimpo Light, which is the round one, not the triangle one. Um, I actually have one of those for my studio. It's 700 bucks, I think. Or um, the Seattle Pottery Supply, actually. Um, a lot of pottery supply stores will sell them used. Like, I've gotten probably... S- Four wheels from Seattle Pottery Supply for like five hundred bucks, and there's Shimpo RK twos, and those are workhorses. They are loud and annoying, but they're they work, <laughs> they run, <laughs> they spin. <laughs> okay, yeah. what's your opinion on buying wheels?
0: Uh, so I agree, buy used for sure. Um, I would say buying a wheel, even if you buy it used. I don't know did you do you have a preference of if you get it used, what level you should be getting? I mean it depends on where you're located, how many yeah. are on the market, so
1: you like nothing is available in Seattle right now. nothing okay, so like for me, if I find something used it's i'm I'm never gonna buy a clay boss used and or ever, and i that's just my opinion by the way, tons of people have clay bosses and they love them, so
0: I but, have a boss, and I like it for trimming.
1: Yeah, he likes it for trimming. I, I think part of the reason I didn't like mine was because it had a 14-inch wheelhead, or a 12-inch wheelhead. What's standard?
0: I think it's 14 on mine. Mine's yeah, 14.
1: I, ha- I hate huge, like, the, the wheelheads. I, I want them to be smaller. Um. Yeah, I don't know. When you're buying used, I try to look for either Shimpo Whispers. I wouldn't even go with a Shimpo actually used, unless it was an RK2. A Brent or a Solder.
0: Okay. Right. So I would say, yeah, if you're buying new, my alternative, like, answer was not to get a Shimpo Aspire. Because I would say get one that you're used to throwing on that's, like, yeah, you know, standing. It's got legs. And get something that's, like, middle of the road. Like, I like the VL Light suggestion, the Shimpo VL Light yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I you can get away with the Aspire. It's a tabletop. It's a little more modular based on what situation you're throwing in. Like if yeah. you're trying to f- fit it into a certain space that's not designated for this, for this, but I don't know. The the like, limitations be- I had for like those were the bat size is smaller, but mm-hmm. Becca would say you can, you know, put a larger bat on it. If you Be finagle creative. it and put clay down and yeah, do that. that's what I do. Um, I would say you're a little limited there. So, like, if you're trying to, you know, learn how to throw plates or, you're like, casseroles mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And, you know, the bats the are ball... a little smaller. But you can you can get away with wider ones if you're creative with it, like she said.
1: Yeah, in the Speedball Artista, it actually has normal-sized bats. So, that's... I would probably... Potentially go with a speedball artista, except for the fact that me and you both found them used, and so that's what we went
0: with. Yeah. yeah, and we bought those. I bought my Shimpo Aspire used for like 300 bucks. Did you buy yours for something like that?
1: I got mine for like 350,
0: yeah, maybe 300. So,
1: um, so, also, I mean,
0: if you totally depends on your budget, so yeah, if, if you, 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 you can't have afford the money. It, then...
1: If you have the money, get a Brent. And if you have fifteen hundred dollars, get a Soldner. (laughs) Soldners. But would you say
0: Soldners, like if you're getting your first wheel, Soldners are for more like the production potter that needs it for thirty years. Would you agree? Like,
1: I mean, if you're rich, get whatever you. If you're rich and you have as much (laughs) money as possible, get a Soldner. Because that's the best wheel out there. It's got the best pedal control.
0: Okay, Um, I've never even seen a Soldner. I don't think maybe he's
1: never used one. My main wheel is a a Soldner wheel, and it's from the 60s, and so and it's still kicking hard. But um, it'll
0: out outlast you.
1: (laughs) Yes, it will outlast you. Those that's my personal opinion is the Soldner is the best wheel out there, but Brents are the best popular wheel. I think.
0: I have a Brent and the Clay Boss for trimming, and the Shimpo Aspire for my demos and stuff at okay. shows. Do you like your Brent? So I like my Brent. It's my workhorse one. Yeah. I like the splash pan on that one.
1: The splash pan is nice, actually.
0: It yeah. is. It's very rugged. It's very deep. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: And also, so, yeah, if...
0: buy buy based on what you can afford, and yeah. you know. It's it's total preference. I would say if you are even having an inkling, like you're taking classes and you have an inkling like maybe I want a wheel, start looking like immediately. You don't have to buy immediately, but start looking used immediately.
1: Yeah, see what's out there.
0: Because it's going to help you to look once a week over like three to five months. And then think- when one comes up, you can act on it.
1: The Shimpo RK2s are probably the most common wheels that I've seen online, like in the marketplace or in, on Craigslist. And I would say that those are actually a pretty solid choice for anybody. They're a they they're like a bitch and really heavy, but they're workhorses, and they also are great because their pedals stay put, and so they're good for beginners mm-hmm. um, to kind of so keep get... an even
0: speed. Don't get swayed thinking that just because it's like thirty years old, it's not yeah gonna it's on its last leg or something like that, right so, okay, all right, Is so that, that, was, our wheel <laughs> that, was,
1: that our was our wheel talk that was our wheel talk, talk. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, um, so. What was the original question?
0: <laughs> okay, so you're you know you're a student. You're thinking about the considerations before you determine you know are you ready for home studio. So we talked about you know equipment you need to think about, wheels, um, kilns. Kind of the same way. I would say you can find kilns out in the marketplace pretty easily.
1: Don't buy a new um, kiln.
0: Yeah, do not buy a new kiln when you're first starting out. What? Why would you not suggest buying a new kiln?
1: Because they're so expensive. Okay, apart from that... Okay, I was going to
0: say, besides that, there's a more Apart from reason. the obvious,
1: they cost so much money. Buying a used kiln is really great for you learning how to work on a kiln and and figure out the parts of the kiln. My very first kiln was the Duncan teacher kiln, which, by the way, I only... That's, a,
0: that's what I have.
1: I know, we had the same kiln. That's, that's um, my small kiln, yeah. Yeah, my baby kiln, so... My very first kiln was the baby Duncan teacher kiln. And um, I had it up up until a couple months ago. I gave it to somebody. Um, and so uh, I gave it to another student actually. It's great to have a used kiln because then you're learning how to change the elements. You're learning how to put in new switches. You're learning all the things about the kilns. You're learning how to um, control time and... I even would say don't get a digital controller. Um
0: Yeah, get a kiln sitter so you understand the differences in what's happening in a kiln.
1: Yeah, because it's just so hel- it's just so helpful to to have those and know the ins and outs of your kilns. And then once you do get a an electric kiln, if something goes wrong, you can be like, "Oh hey, I know how to fix that." <laughs> you know, um Kiln repair right. is kind of expensive and uh, it can be not very cost effective if you don't know how to do anything. And YouTube right. is a very Right, You definitely want to
0: learn this. You don't want to offload it and be like, okay, I'm not going to have to worry about the kiln. My husband's going to take care of all of that or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you should still know the workings of what a kiln has to do so you can better understand, you know, what, what to expect.
1: Yeah, and they're not complicated machines at all. Like you open it right. up, and you're like, "Oh, this wire goes to this. Oh, this wire goes to this. Okay, like that's pretty much." And you it. have
0: one big cord that goes into the wall, and you're basically just feeding electricity through those big metal coils that go into the brick of the kiln. Yep. And they it's just, just like go another. around, and you just have knobs to give it more power, less power, and
1: and so the um, way the knobs work. Yeah, and the way the knobs work is that basically it's giving full power all the time. It's just that the knobs control how fast it clicks on and clicks off. So, and those are the things you learn. <laughs> those are the things that you learn when you have an old kiln that needs to be fixed. And, I mean, obviously you want to look at a kiln. If you're looking at a kiln, you want to make sure that the inside is clean. There's not a ton of bricks li- missing. Hopefully the elements are good because that's going to cost you 300 bucks to replace them. Does it cost you three hundred bucks?
0: It de- it depends on how big your kiln is and whatnot. I would say elements on average, the ones I bought are like probably forty to sixty dollars an element. Does that sound about six? right? It depends on what size your kiln is, of course. If you have a that's tiny true. kiln, you don't need six elements.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you have the tiny kiln, you only have four. But um, but yeah, I mean like you know factor that in when you're looking at a kiln make sure the kiln works before you buy it that's big
0: that's kind of hard sometimes because people have the kiln and they don't have a plug that goes with it and you're like how do i know if this works or not
1: (laughs) which by the way never made any sense to me like why why would you have a kiln in your garage if you didn't have a plug (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, they probably probably had it before a move or something, or their grandmother had it, and they took it over because they liked the hobby, or somebody gave it to them, and then they never hooked it up because the electrical part was a roadblock.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, if you're going to buy a kiln, also get the electrical done by a licensed electrician. Don't be a cheapo, unless your parents or your spouse or somebody is an electrician, because...
0: If you have an electrician the and family, one... you might save yourself a couple hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, but the number one cause of fires are not because the kiln gets hot. It's because the kiln is not hooked up right. So,
0: Yes, electrical. Big.
1: Oh, but then, um, so those are some of the costs. Uh, so we've got, what, like $500, 600 for a wheel. Probably if you find a used kiln, I'd say $300. Two to, I got mine for 175 yeah.
0: I got my first kiln, my first two kilns for free because I was at college and there was an alumni that was nearby that was like, I'm getting rid of these two kilns. Is there a student over there that needs them? So I got like a scut that was like 1980s or 70s or something. Nice. Kiln sitter, bricks were kind of (laughs) shit. And uh, it had like, it was like stackable. So it was really cool because they like stacked into each other and they had like the male female on the boxes so they didn't have, yeah, like, cords that connected the boxes. Um, and then they had and a so blank ring at, that I could put in there to, like, help put more stuff in there. Yep. Without an element. So yep. my first kiln was free. So, I've yeah, had a, look I've for had a free kiln free, if there's a free, free kiln, kiln out there that you can play around with. I mean, you're going to spend money on brick or elements and stuff, but maybe it's worth the experience to figure that stuff out.
1: Yeah. Fixing it up. So kiln can cost you anywhere from zero to six hundred dollars. I've paid six hundred dollars for a kiln. I've paid a new if you if you guys want to know or curious about how much a new kiln costs. A brand spanking new kiln. Uh let's see, I got my Scut for three grand. Just under three. Or maybe just over three. If I would have paid full price, cause my um oval was a factory second, which is just a bit bigger than the scut so my scut's 10 cubic feet and my oval is 17 cubic feet that one was five grand and my baby kiln that was um uh, three cubic feet 1800 this is why you buy used.
0: <laughs> because You've they're expensive are, I've never bought a new kiln so but uh, but would you say the low end of a new kiln for a an average hobby kiln is probably like 1500. For the yeah, low two thousand. Okay. For the. Yeah, 15 to uh, 2. Not one that's tiny, tiny for like jewelry makers or something like that. Yeah. No,
1: but like a three cubic foot, which is our baby kilns. That'd be about yeah. 18.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Becca is pushing home that cost is going to affect you a lot. I mean it's a one it's kind of a one time cost for the yeah. first iteration of it until you need to maintenance it. I've never had to yeah. maintenance my wheel, so fingers no, crossed that you know, holds on, but um your killing. If won't you get a used ongoing. one at a
1: if you get a used one at your clay supply store, they usually have a two year warranty though. Which is nice.
0: Ooh, nice. So, yeah, those are some costs to consider. Um, you know, let's say you're like, hey, I'm taking classes. I'm spending two or $300 a month to rent space. You know, I don't want to pay to rent their equipment every time. I can just take off like three or four months and buy myself a wheel and yeah. then find a kiln. And, you know, maybe that's an option for you just to take a little hiatus let's say you're you're only going in there like three days a month or something and not really utilizing the money that you're paying for it maybe that's an option that you're like hey i'm gonna put that money elsewhere because it's it's definitely costly but yeah like becca was saying there's a student of mine that um that has a wheel at home and she has a kiln and she's learning the workings of like how to fire it and how long it should take and You know, a glaze fire doesn't have to last as long, or it should be even shorter than a bisque Mm -hmm. fire. You don't have to take it as cautiously, and uh, you know, those are those are a lot of the, I guess, pushing on to the next point. Um, A lot of the things that you're going to have to figure out is the learnings of how to run a kiln efficiently, and like keeping a kiln log, and how to make cone packs, and how to pack a kiln well. You know, how do you maintain?
1: Becca does not.
0: Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, So, there's a lot of inner workings that you don't really care about because if you're at a studio, you know, you put your stuff on the greenware cart and it magically shows up on the greenware cart the next week and you don't have to worry about that. That's all behind the curtain. You don't need to do anything. Um, That's not the case when you have your own home studio and you're responsible for making sure shit doesn't blow up in the kiln and... If stuff does, it's a learning experience and figure Mm -hmm. out how to fix it.
1: (laughs) And we also buy all the glaze and the clay. So you're going to have to add that in too, right? You go get your clay, which is easy enough. Um,
0: Yeah, the clay is the easiest part. I mean, you'll probably be buying it in bulk for... Glaze can actually
1: be the easiest part too. Part of the easiest part, you know. Because you can get like Mako glaze or... You know, clay scapes, glazes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you can do that. And that stuff is actually... There's nothing wrong with using pre-made glazes. Yeah, um, especially you're not when less you're starting of a potter out.
0: because you use it. I mean, there's so many yeah. variables to consider when you're making pottery that, you know, if somebody wants to take out the the glaze factor and they don't want to mix their own, they're not like, oh, you're taking an easy way out by using commercial. I mean... To each their own. Anybody can do whatever they want. There's some people that produce beautiful stuff with commercial glazes. like
1: Absolutely. And um, also, if you don't want to learn the science of glaze, then don't make glazes. <laughs> That's Because there's a lot. There's a lot to learn with glaze. And if you're just doing it as a hobby and it makes you happy to throw on a wheel and it makes you happy to have things come out in crazy colors, then... Yes, of course, I would recommend, you know, reading a book about glazes, like get John Britt's book and like read about the glazes, kind of like try and figure out a little bit of the chemistry. But if you don't have the space to mix up and buy 20 different chemicals and mix those up, then getting a jar of glaze is not going to kill you. It'll be fine. Right. It'll probably be better, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. Unless you're, like, doing stuff that's very decorative and then you're just throwing a clear glaze on it. Maybe maybe it wouldn't hurt for you to learn how to mix a clear glaze because that's usually oh, yeah. pretty simple. It's, like, four ingredients maybe. And yeah. you can mix up a five-gallon batch for – my clear glaze is, like, 10 bucks for a five-gallon batch or something like that or maybe less than that. So
1: I need to get that Like, it can be again. very
0: cost-effective. Um, it, it's very cost-effective to mix your own glazes, but – Aside from Becca's like learning the chemistry, you also don't have to learn super chemistry if you don't want to. I mean you can just follow a proven, you know, uh recipe like out of John Britt's mid range glazes book. You know what it's gonna look like because he's got test tiles. I mean you should do some test tiles, but I mean, I don't really care that the frit is doing this and the feldspar is doing this. I mean, I just like oh, yeah. follow the recipe. They've already done that work before, and they put it the, in the book for a reason. So, um, yeah. I mean, a lot so, of
1: my glazes are stemmed off of one glaze out of John Britt's book, and that's June Perry Red. And then I've um, – I'm just giving away all my secrets today. And, I'm, oh and then no. I just kind of, like, tweak it. I tweak it, and then – um, but, yeah, I mean – it's not like we, it's not like everybody started from scratch, you know. I literally, yeah. when I started doing glazing, like, because I went in the, when I transitioned from, like, being in a studio to doing, like, part-time, I remember sitting in my extra bedroom at the time with my triple beam uh, <laughs> scale and all of my glaze tests that I wanted to do and mixing them all up into little tiny baggies. And then mixing them up into water in little tiny cups and then pouring them into pinch pots and testing them all out. And uh-huh. I, and one of them I still have. And that's the one that's the base of pretty much everything. Everything else I don't think I have anymore. But, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit fun. But also it takes a lot and there's a lot of different chemicals that you have to buy. So not necessary.
0: And if you don't have a ceramic supply store, it may not be very cost effective to buy all those chemicals online and, yeah, you know, shipping and it's a lot of weight. So, yeah, so true. So, so very. What true. else? What else do you need to know?
1: Well, you have to have a place to put all this stuff.
0: Right. <laughs> um. Most people have an extra basement area or something like that. If you're in like an apartment, I mean, maybe you don't want to dirty up a second bedroom that has carpet and stuff with clay because dust and carpet, not very good.
1: Also, just so you know, if clay gets on your dishes and then you put in the dishwasher, it travels everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, I threw next to my bed in my one bedroom apartment when I started throwing. My it was four feet away from my bed.
0: <laughs> You've got silicosis.
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> I went from my, my bedroom to basement with no windows. Um yeah. But yeah, I mean you really have to have space and you have to be able to um to store the stuff that you're buying or using, so that's something. I mean, the front porches work great. Like my whole glazing room was on my front porch for two years.
0: Um, front porch also, or back covered porch or something like that that yeah is protected from the elements. A lot of people fire it their kilns like, a- like they'll have it on their back patio or porch or something that's covered. Yeah,
1: I have mine on my back. Well, I had it on the front porch, but we covered the front with OSB and then Visqueen around the the top. And it looked like I had a drug, like a meth lab. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. Um,
0: so the next, like, I would say more, like, intangible thing that you don't really think about, I guess, is the... You miss out on, like, being with other people when you're working from a home and studio... Yeah, you don't get to bounce ideas off. If you're um, if you're in that phase where you're taking classes and then you're thinking about the home studio, before you leave that community, I would say glean everything you can from the instructors that are there. Like, how do you know about kiln stuff? Or I'm having issues with this firing. And, like, the student that's in my class was asking me about this stuff because she was doing her kiln firing for the first time. And, like, get all that information that you can if you're yeah. still thinking about jump- jumping ship to a home studio. Um but, yeah, you kind of miss out on that community, that um, seeing what other, other people are making, um, you know, a dedicated time that's every week that you've already signed up, you've already paid for, it's on your calendar. You know, that's your routine to go there every Monday night from yeah. 6 to 9 or whatever.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, I think that we don't appreciate the community as much as we should because once you do leave, you're like, man. I miss talking to those people, and you miss, like, even when you don't think you're learning, you're learning. You know, I have members who started taking classes six, six okay. months ago. What? It, it's <laughs> on silent. Stop it. I started taking classes, or they. Um, Students started taking classes like six months ago. And even though I don't go through specific things, they pick up on things that I've been doing, which makes them in turn a little bit more, you know, prepared for what they're doing, which is... um So I, I guess my, my recommendation is stay in classes a year. <laughs> I guess that's what I would recommend. But not everybody can do that, but still... Um, it can be helpful.
0: Yeah, maybe you uh, maybe you phase out from taking, you know, renting studio space or renting a shelf or renting, you know, a half booth or something like that, that is your permanent space. And maybe you have all your equipment at home, but you still decide like, you know, every season or like in the fall and in the spring, I'm going to take a, a different class for six weeks or something that way you're around some community you know you're learning some new techniques you're trying something different that's not you know stuck at your house and you can ask questions and you know do the all the same stuff that you would do in a class where you have an instructor that's there available and yeah it's it's kind of nice when i'm teaching sometimes because i make completely different things when i'm at baker hunt and I'm not as worried about the production. Like, I have three hours I need to dedicate to making this thing to restock. Like, I'm making some different stuff. I'm using their clay. So I'm kind of playing around and trying out different ideas. And
1: uh, Yeah, you started the Carvey Cups at Baker Hunt.
0: Yeah, the black and white carve stuff definitely started there. Because I was... I <laughs> The easy, like, reason why was I didn't own Underglaze or I had like a little bitty two ounce jar of it, but I didn't, you know, I wanted to use their underglazes because I had the bun, I had a bunch. And, uh, I was like, you know, they have it here. I'm just going to use it. Cause those aren't super cheap. They're like 17 bucks a pint or something like that or whatever it is. Oh God, it's but so
1: expensive.
0: I was so like, expensive. I'm going to, I'm going to use their underglaze while I'm here. And then I'll use some of my carving techniques that I use and, uh, try out a new technique. So yeah, try out some new techniques. Maybe it'll grow into something. um, and it i would say besides like the being around people the personality you have to have the right personality to want to work individually at your home studio and, and alone. if you yeah alone um and if you're home if you're not really able to escape things like other commitments or you know if you have children Kids. or you know a spouse that needs something or whatever you know, if you're expected to be cooking dinner, it's like, I can't dedicate two or three hours to focus on this thing because I'm getting bugged every 15 minutes because they don't see it as I'm working or I'm try I'm doing something. So, I you know, if friend, you have a dedicated space. I have space, a
1: friend who, um... <clears throat> oh, sorry.
0: Go ahead. You have a friend that.
1: Okay. I didn't realize you were talking because the internet went all weird um, I have a friend that um, <laughs> that she, I met her in pottery class, actually. And her and her friend were in pottery class together. And ev- they'd go every Friday night. for This happened for three years. And every Friday night after class, we'd go to a bar, have Asian nachos and honey sriracha wings. And we would hang out and talk, like, shoot the shit. And that was our every Friday night. They did it to get away from their kids and their husbands, <laughs> you know. I mean, not get away for, but you know, like have some time so that they were separated and some sanity time. And now she still comes to my studio and still does pottery. It's more on like an in. She comes every week, but not on you know Fridays or anything like that. But um, it's. Uh but yeah, it's um really important to have that kind of community and
0: And if it's if it's your escape for the week and you know, there's a student in my class that has like three has like triplets at home and it's their dedicated day to get away and go do something for themselves and get out of the house. So you know, if that's your personality and that's what you ain't nothing wrong with that. do the class for, like, yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. So, you know, if it's take and if it's also going to like take enjoyment out of it because you're like, oh, I've got to set up all this stuff and I got to take care of all this kilns and firing. And if that just sounds like a lot of work and a lot of like unknowns that you're scared of, you know, maybe it's not for you, but maybe, maybe you can try it out or you know, if you have a friend or something that has one, maybe go over and see what they're doing. If they just got one or got a kiln or something like that, so try to co-op. <laughs> yeah, if you have like a friend or something that you know, maybe you're in a class with someone and they just got a kiln, and you're like, you know, I'm interested. How to, how you fire that kiln? Because I'm thinking about getting one. Do you mind if we like meet up and I can kind of see how you're loading it and firing it, and you're kind of like learning off of their equipment. Or, like, ask the place that you teach at, like, hey, can I come see how you load a kiln? Maybe they'll be open to letting you see how they do that.
1: Or say, hey, do you need help loading your kiln? I'll load it for you. God, I would, if somebody told me that they would come in and load my kiln every week, I'd be like, (laughs) here, here is it all. Like, take it all. Just take it.
0: Here's a shelf. Load this shelf in the kiln, and uh, we'll see how you do. As long as long as you uh, kind of get guidance, and you can like or or offer to like help unload a kiln because you can even see how you know mm-hmm. how you should load a kiln, and then you're not as worried about like hurting other things because they're more fragile, bone dry. Um, so unloading a bis kiln might not be a bad idea. So you can see how they're put in there, yeah. how they use the kiln furniture, and you know, position the posts and all that kind of thing. So yeah, so much to learn. All right. Is there anything else that we can think of? I think we're going to end this one shorter than we expected because we are already at 45 minutes in talking about students transitioning into getting their own studio and things to consider. But
1: yeah, no, I feel like we got off on a tangent, which is normal. (laughs) <laughs> normal so fresh. much to
0: talk about for kilns and wheels and oh we didn't even mention tools like though. you need a lot of tools too you didn't even we no didn't, you I don't didn't even think about that but i mean you need like bats maybe if you're throwing plates you need to buy some bats yeah. um you know cut off wire, I... all that kind of stuff. like you can get a kit yeah. some places when yeah. you start a class you get a kit of tools as part of your payment
1: you do with it's mine. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've never understood how like some people have like walls of ribs and like walls of tools. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you have that many tools? Like, I have a billion tools, but guess what? They're all the same tool. Like, it's because I I, I give kits to students and then they leave them behind. So we have like 25 yeah. fettling knives, but um. But, like, I've never understood, like, having a billion different ribs. Mostly because I don't need those when I throw. But, I don't know. It's just a lot. There's a lot. I can understand, however, I can understand hand builders having, like, all of them. All the tools like and all the things. 15
0: tools or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, see, I can see you trying to figure out the tool that's right for you for, like, you know, if you're doing yeah. a a bevel at the foot or something like that and you're trying out yeah. some of those like foot fetish tools or like, you know, a forty five degree wood knife and then those get ground down and you gotta get a new one. Oh, gosh. So um
1: also Yeah, I can PS, see some of that. The only tool that I actually use a very lot, a lot, a lot, is J A seventeen. It's a Kemper tool. <laughs> I was JA17. like, what is that? <laughs> In my opinion, the best tool.
0: <laughs> what is that? Is that a trimming tool? Is that a... No, is that it's a, a wood a tool. Rib? It's a wood. It's a
1: wood tool. It's like the pointing tool, but the point is curved. And you can put it under your um piece at the very bottom, and it'll like take off a lot of it at the bottom, and then you can create a little divot so you can cut under.
0: Okay. So find that tool that's right for you. It could be the simplest tool that everybody gets in their kit, and you just use it in the right way. Yeah. Or it could be some fancy tool, but
1: like JA yeah. seventeen.
0: <laughs> I thought you were about to say like J-H pottery works. Like <laughs> no. <laughs> Josh is a tool that can help you with many things of knowledge. That
1: is true, actually. If you need find, to learn about
0: anything, find pottery Josh friends. Heim. make clay friends when you're learning stuff and you're starting a new studio like don't feel don't feel um like you can't ask questions because i get questions on instagram all the time about super you know basic uh you know pottery stuff whether it's making or just something about kiln loading or whatever yeah yeah
1: i call josh on a weekly basis with questions our friend Josh Heim, JH Pottery Works. I call. He's gonna him get on so a...
0: many referrals right now. He's gonna get DM'd like He's crazy. He's
1: gonna hate us.
0: <laughs> you let out the secret. <laughs>
1: Hi, Josh. We love you.
0: <laughs> All right, so we should probably wrap up here. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Hope you learned something, even if you're not, you know, a student and learning. Hopefully, you got something good out of this. And give us some feedback if you're like, oh, they forgot about this big thing that you totally lose when you're leaving a studio. Um, Because our studio experience is very specific to what we've done and how our studios have been set up. But, you know, yours could be totally different.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And Becca runs her studio a certain way that might, you know, emulate a lot of other studios. But, yeah, you've got that, like, membership thing, which is different then I think where you're like you pay monthly instead of just Cause for the class teach. that you're there. <laughs> Unfortunate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still teach the members like as they come in when they have specific questions and stuff, but I realize that I'm not a teacher. I'm like, I can teach over the interwebs or whatever, but, um,
0: is it the like hand holding kind of thing that in the, Kind of the nurturing through troubleshooting and stuff like that—that's hard for you.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think it's that when they come, I just really enjoy the time that they're there, and I just want to shoot the shit. I don't even want to like teach them. I just want to like hang out with all my members
0: Um, because I like them, you know. But you're available for questions if they have questions
1: totally you're not, totally you're not like but actively yeah.
0: watching them so that you could find flaws and like tell them how to fix it kind of thing
1: yeah and i mean i still watch them and um there's i'm still like available the whole time that they're there usually um but like you know i, I I encourage them to like watch YouTube videos and like find the what they're passionate about and find what they want to learn because I do only one type of thing, you know. So, um like one of my members started making square baker dishes and they're amazing. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> and yeah. And uh you know and she did that by totally finding it online. And so I just really I I found that if I kind of gave them the the uh like ammo I suppose like you know gave them the drive and them they can go and find the videos and I can help them get to that point, that's easier and funner for me and funner for them too.
0: Funner, funner, funner.
1: Funner, funner, funner. <laughs>
0: Okay. All right. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll Thanks. catch you next time. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for
1: listening to the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to follow me or Ryan, you can follow us on our Instagrams. My Instagram is five lines pottery studio, it's the number five. And his Instagram is at rdceramics. That's R and in Ryan, D as in Durbin, ceramics. And we would love for you to follow us. But we would also love it if you gave us a review on, on whichever platform that you're listening on. And if you tell your friends. We really enjoy doing this. And we hope that we can do it some more and have some great conversations. Thanks.